Who doesn't love a good hang? Somebody you can hang out with, somebody you feel a kinship with, someone on the same page as you. I have been very lucky over the years to have a keen sense of radar when it comes to sussing people out for hanging out. A lot of the time, you may know somebody who likes the same things you do, the same books, the same bands, the same movies, but there's that indecipherable trait about them that prohibits the two of you from breaching the final level and becoming very good friends. Then there are people who you meet in passing, periodically, as acquaintance, and almost immediately, you two know you're cut from the same cloth. You might see each other once in a blue moon, and yet when you do, it's always a good time. As I get older, moments with people like this are very rare, few and far between. It's the reason why I get unfairly tagged by our crew as unsocial, opting to hang out in our dressing room or my hotel room, rather than actually hanging out a lot of the time. But when you meet someone like Jim Rhoda, it's enough to lure me out of my hermetic state and unfurl my furrowed brow. Jim Rhoda is the singer and guitarist in the mighty rock band Fireball Ministry. Their albums have taken them around the world, and it could be said that our two bands can be categorized in the same genre. When we met, almost 10 years ago, when Fireball Ministry was on tour with Opeth, it was through Jason Diamond, co-director of our video trilogy, The Ballad of Danko Jones, and on that tour specifically, bassist in Fireball Ministry. Jason's another guy who can spark endless discussion, and was a good person to introduce the two of us, since Jim's onstage persona can be taken as intimidating, menacing, to say the least. Last time we played Los Angeles, Fireball Ministry graciously played with us. We've tried to get them to come out on tour, but their extracurricular non-Fireball activities didn't make it easy for them to do so at the time. In Jim's case, now we know why. When Jim isn't on stage playing rock music, he's busy in all three media streams, film, television, and even radio. Even more impressive is when you look on his CV and see to what capacity. Jim produced the incredible Dave Grohl documentary, Sound City. If you haven't seen it yet, I suggest you do so immediately. Well, but first, listen to this episode. On paper, a documentary on a recording studio doesn't sound all that interesting, but the film manages to delve into the importance it played in the popular music we all know and love. Told from Grohl's point of view, Sound City is intimate and gripping. Furthermore, the Foo Fighters have a new television series on HBO called Sonic Highways. Jim produced that as well, as you will soon hear. And finally, he has the esteemed post of co-host to Nikki Six on Nikki Six's Sixth Sense syndicated radio show. Basically, dudes live in the dream. Well, at least from my vantage point he is, and deservedly so. As you will hear, Jim has an infectious charm that makes one want to hang out and talk to the guy. It's the reason why I just emailed him and said, hey, we should do a podcast, sensing he'd be able to keep the ball bouncing. To Jim's credit, it was 8 a.m. Los Angeles time to my cozy 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when we did this episode, and it just goes to show you just how much Jim is a real trooper. 
In other related news, Fireball Ministry will be on Motorhead's Motorboat Cruise this September 22nd to 26th, featuring, of course, Motorhead, but also Megadeth, Anthrax, Zach Wilde, Testament, High on Fire, Jim Brewer, and us. So it'll be pretty cool to hang with Jim there as well. Thanks again to Skull Candy Headphones. Thanks as always. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones. And thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Jim Rota. I'm just going to describe him as Hard Rocker. Hard Rocker Jim Rota is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast. And it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko screw up. Tell them for free. I'm sad glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from fucked up. Stop playing. Hang down. Down. I know that disco and rock and roll aren't supposed to mix, and we all know how great a rock guitarist Danko is, but when I accompanied him one night to a disco nightclub, I watched in awe as Danko tore up the dance floor. He was like Danny Terrio, John Travolta, and Adrian Zemed all rolled into one. When he was finished dancing, the music stopped and everyone applauded. The two of us immediately left the club and ended up in a blues bar where I watched Danko jam on CCR and Chuck Berry covers till dawn. It was amazing. Get ready for the hottest podcast on the net. It's the official Danko Jones podcast. Here's your host, Danko Jones. Hello. Hey, man. Hey, Jim. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Been traveling a lot with this this, uh, Dave Grohl TV series. That's right. Is it a Dave Grohl thing or a Foo Fighters? Thing? It's a if it's a Foo Fighters thing. I, I should actually correct myself for saying that. Uh, yeah, it's a Foo Fighters show. I mean, I, honestly, it's a kind of a cool thing because it could be any band that really would want to do something like this. It's um, it's uh, you know, just the, the chronicling them making their new record, but in like a different city in America for each song. Oh, wow. Yeah, and kind of like um, drawing from the inspiration of each city. Yeah, I mean, bands normally who go, you know, you know from touring, when you go to a city, what do you spend there? You spend, you know, maybe eight hours total. Mm-hmm. And then you take off and that's it. And it's like, okay, yeah, you got me. You might have your favorite bar, your favorite restaurant or something, but you're never really, you know, immersed in whatever that city, you know, is all about. And, uh, you know, all these different cities have this crazy cultural, um, influence, you know, on the people that live there. And that, you know, obviously, uh, soaks into the music too. So, you know, um, it's just a really, really cool, it's, it's, you know, like part history lesson, part, you know, seeing how the sausage is made, you know, part, journey really really cool a uh, really cool uh, idea that they came up with to make their you know eighth album on their 20th anniversary what cities are we talking about major cities yeah it's um new york new orleans austin um <laughs> la we went out they went out to joshua tree to dave catching's place mm-hmm. oh wow yeah. yeah it was really cool chicago uh, DC, um, trying to think it is early out here. There's two more, but I can't think of them right now. And you were with them for every stop. 
Yeah, John Ramsey and I, who uh, produced Dave's movie Sound City, um, he, you know, at the end of the at the end of Sound City, Dave had written. Um, I don't know if you saw Sound City, but I did. Yeah, it was Dave, great. Uh, oh, thanks, Dave. David had written his outline because he, he he had never directed anything before, but he um, he had written out. You know, when he told me that he wanted to make the movie, you know, I said, well, you know, directing is just like telling a story. So just, you know, you you know, you're a good storyteller, so you'll probably be a good director. And he basically went home and took a, a sketchbook, you know, an artist's sketchbook, and he wrote out like a seven page outline of how he wanted the the movie to to play out. And that's pretty much exactly what we followed for that movie. And at the end of sound city, when we were at Sundance, uh, John and I, you know, handed him a blank sketchbook and said, okay, get, get started on the next one. And sure enough, that's when he came up with the idea of this like eight city show. So, so is he directing this? Yeah. Yeah. He's directing, he's directing every episode. So he's directing every episode while he's recording an album. Correct. How do you do that and stay uh, focused? He, uh, I don't know how, if you've ever met him or know him, but um, the amount of energy and the amount of um, uh, <laughs> just the, I, half the time I think he, he, he just piles things on himself to see if he could do it. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up eventually doing it because he's not really uh, good at failing. So he, he just, I don't know, he's superhuman. That's amazing. Is, uh, is there a producer attached to the album? Uh, yeah, Butch Vig. Oh, okay. Yeah, Butch Vig's producing the record, and James Brown is, is engineering it. Um, they're the same guys that did Wasting Light. And so, obviously, those guys are traveling with you guys who are traveling with the band. Yeah, and uh, there was an 11-person film crew. We just wrapped our last city. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. You know, we just kind of rolled into town. Uh, some of the places we went didn't even have studios because that was the other thing is that he wanted to kind of go to different places that weren't, were kind of off the beaten path. So in new Orleans, for example, we went to preservation hall, which is just, you know, a room basically that was late 1700s. So you know, they had to bring the studio there. And of course, you know, they do everything now to two inch. So I don't know. You could probably guess the logistics of, of uh, moving a band's gear and two two inch machines around the country. So pre pretty big undertaking to make a record. Holy. So they do everything to two inch tape? Yeah. Yeah. That's ever since uh, Wasting Light, they, he, that's, that's their process. Wow. Mm hmm. That's amazing. And uh, as you mentioned, you produced Sound City, which by now, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast should be at least familiar with the movie. How did yeah. you hook up? How did you become the producer of that movie? I met Dave through um, Nick Raskulenix, who you worked with mm -hmm. in about uh, around 1999 or 2000. And, um, uh, Nick Nick had, had was working with our band Fireball Ministry and uh, had just gotten hooked up with the Foo Fighters and he kept saying to me like God oh, you got to meet Dave you got to meet Dave he's you know he's one of us he's one of us and 
you know, sure enough, I went to the, I went to a barbecue one night at Dave's and, um, you know, it was just, uh, you know, music was on. And I remember after talking to him for a little while, Achilles last stand by Zeppelin came on and he was standing next to me and he was air drumming to Achilles last stand. And every time like a big fill would come up, he'd tap me on the arm and then he'd play the fill like, you know, in the air, but like to perfection. And I realized, like, oh yeah, you're you're a dork like us. Mm-hmm. So that was how we met. And then years later, um, I'd been working a bit in the film business and uh, on the technical side. And and when Dave bought the console from Sound City, he asked me to bring a camera crew out to just film the moving of the console. So we brought a camera crew out and we, you know, filmed it. And while we were there, I could always already see the wheels kind of turning in his head. And by the time we left the studio, he called me and said, hey, I want to make a web series about all the people that have recorded out here at Sound City. And I was like, OK, I was like, we, you know, we could do that. Sure. I hope. And then by maybe the next night, he was like, I think we need to make a movie about about uh, the, the the studio and 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 you know how how I bought the board and and get all the people get as many people back to record together who recorded out there, um, and that was that was basically how it happened. And I called my friend John Ramsey, who I've known since tenth grade, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> he's he's got a production company out here. And, and I was like, Hey, look, uh, Dave girl wants to make a feature. Are you in? And he was like, yeah, hell yeah. So we, we, uh, we, uh, put it together and, and there it was. It's interesting. You, you talk about how you became a producer and, and you're, um, <clears throat> fielding these ideas from Dave. Um, I'm not, I don't got Nirvana Foo Fighter money, but, if you remember, um, and this is, I think this is before I was fully aware how involved you were with Sound City. Um, mm-hmm. On Twitter, I tagged you, Jason, and Josh Diamond, the Diamond Brothers. Yeah. And I said, let's, because I was just, I had just finished watching a whole bunch of web episodes of Jerry Seinfeld's um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Right. And we both have, as mutual friends, the Diamond Brothers. Yes. And I end up up having these discussions with them whenever I see them. And, you know, and the the times that we've we've been around each other, it's very similar. Yes. So I thought, (laughs) and because you guys knew each other and I knew you guys, I said, dudes, on Twitter, I, I mean, it's you could find it on Twitter, but I said, um, let's do musicians talking about Metallica eating pizza. <laughs> and all you guys were in. And that was like almost two years ago. I know, I know. I will, will, you know, I, this, this stuff's been taking up a lot of my time, but I gotta say, I'm, 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 I'm consider me still 100% on board <laughs> because, because I have a good friend named Andrew Aleckel who I actually, um, on the side produce just started producing records with and he's he worked on a lot of the fireball ministry stuff too and and he and i are, are super tight and we have a thing every morning that when i'm on my way to wherever i'm going i call him and we talk about kiss 
for the amount of time that I'm in the car. And we call it Kiss Calls with a K. So understand, <laughs> understand, this is for nobody. This is just, yeah. It's, it's a title given to a phone call that happens pretty much daily where we just wrap up like, what they posted on their in, their individual Instagrams, <laughs> like what, like you know? well, like and, Paul's latest Starbucks order. See, yes, yeah, see, exactly. That will easily be a conversation on Kiss Call. So, um, yeah, my wife, you know, I think my wife would would uh, reconsider her entire uh, life choice if she ever. Uh, if she knew ahead of, of time. Yeah, exactly. She just couldn't couldn't see that happening. Yeah, because I mean, we'd have these, you know, because those, those guys and us, we've worked together, and no matter what you're doing, no matter what project it is, there's always downtime. Mm-hmm. What do you talk about in downtime? Well, you talk about Metallica. Kiss is an easy substitute. I can <laughs> yeah. go either way on those two. Right, right. Um, well, because this, yeah, the thing is, is that you, you know, like. You can call it, you know, musicians <laughs> talking about Metallica eating pizza, but Metallica is a great, you know, it's a great just nucleus from which to just expand outward. You know, like the conversations can be endless. Oh, yeah. We can go into other bands and yeah, oh, I could yeah. Go, go on and on. But I, I had no idea of your producer status when I pitched it. And here I am pitching it yeah. to a producer. See, yeah, look at that. Look we at this. Raise, yeah, we can go raise some money, get a sponsor. <laughs> we can do the whole thing. <laughs> but then I, I realized um, J- Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, all the, all the words start with the letter C. So right. musicians talk, uh, talking about Metallica, the food choice would have to be in uh, uh, something that starts with M. Right, which... It's not pizza. Huh? Muffins? Yeah, not, yeah, muffins is good. <laughs> <laughs> Mangoes. Mangoes. Yeah, we can find something. Marshmallows. Yeah, so many. But yeah, I mean, we we just we just go on and on, and and I think most of the times we would agree. I would agree okay. with those guys, but then there's those times where I think we kind of veer off, and that's when it gets good. Yeah, the, and those guys are kind of like a collective brain. So they're they're yeah. they're two people, but they're kind of one. Yeah, you know, be, being being identical twins, it, it makes you know it makes for an interesting dynamic because they could you know focus their the brain power of two human beings onto us. You know what I mean? Like we'd have to just be careful. <laughs> we keep us on our toes. That's all. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I thought it would be an interesting an interesting uh, idea to do. <clears throat> But you, you also like. I mean, you mentioned Fireball Ministry, um, and you are the singer, lead singer, guitar player in that band. You guys have put out what five albums? Oh yeah, four full lengths and an EP. But as we started the discussion, and your, you know, your kind of film and television credentials, yeah, um, you, you're like, I, I don't know how you do. I've even talked. We've me and the Diamonds have had our own discussions about you. And, and, I, and what I said was like, how does he do it? Like, I, I walked in to a radio station in L.A., and I'm super pumped to meet my childhood hero, Nikki Six. <laughs> and I walk into the studio, and I'm kind of nervous, and I've been thinking about this moment for the last week or two. And then... I turn around and and you're like, hey, 
Yeah, what's up? And then you sit down and you're like, yeah, I'm on the show. Oh, what? <laughs> it, it put me at ease, definitely, at a moment where I was like kind of super nervous to meet this guy. That's awesome. Um, but how did you hook up with Nikki Six and be on his Sixth Sense radio show? It's amazing. Well, yeah, he was he he was dating a, a friend of mine, and we and we met, and then basically again, like in my life, no matter what the situation, no matter who it is, you know how how bright the star shines, or how you know, or how there's no star at all. Everybody I know that I hold dear has some kind of you know relationship with music and again i i i met nikki the first night and i talked to him about uh t-rex uh the sweet slade mott the hoople um how basically he got his entire like early stage look from pete way from ufo like it was wow. basically just like oh you're my best friend you know like <laughs> you had that moment where you're like yeah. oh wow. i can talk to you for the next two weeks, probably not stop talking. And then at the end of two weeks, we'd just be like, oh, hey, should we get something to eat? Wow. So that was basically, again, that was it. And then, uh, and then he, he, I, he had the show and he was like, oh, come on. So I used to go on and, and just like when, uh, before, before the South City thing and, you know, really got heavy and before this new, this new show, Sonic Highways, got really heavy, I used to go on try to go on once a week because ironically or coincidentally rather our our post-production office is like around the corner from the radio station so i'd hit him up he'd hit me up he'd be like what are you doing today and i'd be like oh i'm you know i'm at the office he'd be like oh come be on the show and then it just so happened that that one day you were you were there oh that's amazing yeah so it was an open door it was like you just show up if you want yeah i still gotta i still gotta i gotta I gotta get back into that habit because it's really it's really fun to to sit there because he I mean you realize what you just said to me yeah yeah you yeah. said oh, yeah I gotta yeah I gotta I, I should do that thing with Nikki uh, yeah. that's well, insane that, yeah it it and as you know because you've done enough you know you've dedicated enough of your life to this um, when you meet the people that like you admired when you were younger it's it, you get really worried that they're going to be, you know, they're people, you know, people yeah. have their, everybody, all of us have our, you know, our, uh, flaws and our, you know, our goods and our bad, our good and our bad. And, and Nikki yeah. is just one of those people that you meet him and you're like, wow, you not only live up to every expectation, but you exceed them. He's just such a good guy. I've met him the two the, that time, and then another time I met him when um, Brides of Destruction played Download, and we were playing. And uh, both times, man, the first time I met him, he was so nice. Um, I thought he was just in a good mood, you know. Yeah, and I was just happy to get him in a good mood. And then the second time with you, I was actually so glad to see you, and you know, um, you know, we knew we knew each other. Yeah. Because I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, now Nikki will like me because <laughs> I know his bud. <laughs> so I was just totally – and he is, man. He was so off the mic, like off offline. Like that dude is – I mean, I've never said this, but after the show, he 
whipped out his card, wrote his phone number on the back of the card, like his private number. He goes, call me the next time you're in L.A. Yeah. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, totally. And And you got to do it, too. Like, that's the thing. Because, and I I hope you have. I didn't. I'm never going to call that number, man. See, that's the thing. And let me tell you something. I'll tell you this. This this is my this is my one rule of 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 meeting the people that that um that we admire. When we Fireball Ministry did a tour with Dio in two thousand two thousand five, I think, and um it was amazing. And 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 Ronnie was incredible, and he was like the most gracious and and nicest human being like you've ever met in your life. And at the end of the tour, he did the same thing to me where he gave me his number and he's like, hey, we both live in, in L.A. Like, hit me up anytime. We can, we can go get like, let's go get a meal or, you know, whatever. And I I only ever call them one time. Um, I, I used to call him if we were playing in town, I'd invite him out to, to come see us every time. And he'd always he'd always say, you know, he'd always call, either call me back or, or or send me a message and say, hey, man. Thanks for the invite. I, uh, you know, I'm, I can't make it, but I never followed up with like going out for dinner or doing anything like that. And then, you know, the inevitable happened and it'll never, you know, I'll never get the chance again. So I made a pact with myself that day. Like if anybody ever gives me their phone number like that, I'm totally going to hit them up because, you know, it's too short and you, and you never know. Cause like you said, he doesn't have to do that. No. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna call him then. Hell yeah, dude. Hey, uh, Rhoda said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you wanna get some sushi? <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be great. <laughs> um, yeah, but then when we sit down and I'm looking at him, I'll be like, dude, Shout at the Devil is so cool, man. <laughs> That's it. Dude, I, I do it all the time. I'll, I'll like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be. You know, driving in my car, and 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 I'll text him like, "Hey, where did you guys track Shout at the Devil?" Or no, like, where did you guys track the first record? And he'll write back, "In hell." Fuck and I'll be like, and I'll be like, "Come on, I'm like, come on, man. I, I really want to know where did you track the record?" And he'll write back, "I don't remember." <laughs> and you're like, "Come on, dude." But then he'll get into it. The other thing he, he always does that rules is that <laughs> you're gonna love this so much, dude. Like he'll he'll go to get on a plane. Like he's he'll be leaving, you know, like leaving town or something. And he'll be like, "Hey man, just wanted to let you know I'm getting on the plane. If anything happens, and the plane goes down, <laughs> the looks that kill booths are in my garage." Oh, that is amazing! <laughs> yeah, like, you're like, holy shit! Or he'll be like, he'll be like, dude, I'm getting on the plane right now. I just want you to know that if anything goes down, this if, if the plane goes down, the stripy suit from from the Theater of Pain tour is in my hall closet, and it's yours. Oh, oh, oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So now, are you gonna call him? Fuck. Well, what do I want? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best. You ever you ever text him going, "Hey, did the plane land okay?" And he goes, "Yeah, I'm here." I'm like, "Damn it!" Do no. I still? Can I still just go into the hallway? <laughs> yeah, grab the outfit. <laughs> That's right. amazing. 
he's 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 again like i said like i know ne- like i never would have dreamed you know like i had this one moment where uh where um where we were cruising we were, i was i was uh, out with him and he met me at the at the rainbow we, we, he was going somewhere and i was going somewhere and and we were texting i'm like hey where are you and he goes oh i have to go to this thing you know over here and i was like oh i'm at the rainbow and he was like oh cool he goes i'll meet you there and um i remember he like right when he walked into the hallway like the the front you know that foyer in the rainbow he got a text and he had to take off and i remember thinking to myself like that must that must be like i i can't even imagine what it's like to be him and walk through the door of that place yeah because man (laughs) <laughs> things that must have gone on wow i mean wow like what's going through your mind though sitting there waiting for nikki six to meet you at the rainbow bar and grill it's like, weird. sometimes yeah sometimes you have to you put everything into perspective it's 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 pretty awesome i've been i've been really really lucky uh in my life with with stuff like that and and um you know i always i always just remember you know you got to remember that you know, it's it's aside from being talented and aside from, you know, having, you know, ha- accomplishing something that people, you know, latch on to and, 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 and influences a whole, you know, millions of people, you know, it's it's you're pulling the arm on the on the slot machine. You know what I mean? Like anybody mm-hmm. is. And yeah. it's like when you when you actually hit the jackpot and you have that level of influence over people, it's even greater when you're a great person yeah you know like that's what makes that's what makes you know me you know like to to know a guy like nicky or or even dave it's just like you know those guys are they're just great people so it doesn't matter like what what, all the other stuff it's just i'm I'm just glad to have met some pretty great people that have i i can also look up to and 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 you know respect you know in such a way you know, I mean, whether it's them or Ronnie or whoever. You know, I mean, of course, Dave Grohl is who he is. I mean, it goes without saying. But for me, Nikki Six, I mean, you know, yeah. I, he was... Other level, other level stuff. Yeah, just because of the time, the impressionable time when I discovered yes. who, what he was doing. Yeah. Um, and I remember the morning of the Sixth Sense show when I was going to go down there. I think I tweeted about it. And uh, he tweeted me back and he said, see you there, fucker. And I <laughs> screenshot it and I fucking sent it to everyone I knew. <laughs> and then pe- someone else had done the same thing and sent it to me. Mm-hmm. And, and we were like, can you fucking believe this is fucking crazy? <laughs> um, yeah. And and uh, I think I, I, I mean, I did that Motley Crue movie when I was. 11 and oh right yeah 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 and then uh i wrote about it for the huffington post and i tweeted nikki again and he tweeted me back the second tweet still is sweet but second tweet i'm like hey yeah it's nikki that's right we're buds i mean oh my friend nikki yeah my friend hey nikki's just you know like the the thing about that time you know and and those bands you know, I always say that, that, that to me is a little bit it's a little bit different. The reason why I think it, it appealed to us when we were younger is like they were so dangerous. Like to think about any of those guys like 
coming over to your parents' house, you know, like when, when you were like 13 and like, if you could imagine, you know, like not that Nirvana isn't, you know, an influential band and a huge band, but like, they'd seem like nice guys. Yeah. Like, they seem like, okay, dudes that like, Hey man, come over. Like, Oh, you guys are on tour. Yeah. My mom will make you some CD. Like <laughs> come hang out. Like there's no way. Yeah. You wanted like 1983 Motley Crue to come to your parents' house. Especially but, like I I I know that you read Hit Parader and Circus magazine. Oh yeah. And the shit they were saying in those magazines, it wasn't true, but it was just making the the yeah. the, the fantasy bigger than it re- it was. I was scared to shout at the devil scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> and I loved it. I, I, yeah. I loved it. And Nikki, you know, it's so great. It's Nikki six out of the four of them because he was the guy. I was like, wow, he's he looks like the coolest, scariest guy in the world. Oh, he's not the singer. Oh, I know. We, oh. We, I talk about that with with other people all the time. Like the only band where the bass player is the, is the coolest guy. Like, yeah. What a, what a, what a, name the other band where that happened. No, like in Kiss, you can go to Paul and go, yeah, Paul's the front guy. Yeah. Or Ace, even Ace, like you could be like, oh, I'm, I'm into the Dark Horse. He's, he's a badass. Right. But like, yeah, Gene, I mean, you know, Gene's easy because he's spitting blood and fire. Like that's, that's an easy thing. You know, like that's an easy sell to a, to a kid. But like to just be like the bass player in a band where with essentially four equal dudes and be the coolest one, it's pretty weird. From the beginning when you yeah. saw them, but even when they kind of like, you know, kind of soften their image up mm-hmm. and I would see Nicky doing interviews, I'm like, he's still the coolest guy, just the way he talked and the way he carried mm-hmm. himself. Not so much with Gene when I'd hear him talk. <laughs> it's kind of like what? a school teacher yeah, telling Nick- you what to do. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, but I think, I think Nikki, I, I think, I, I honestly think, cause Nikki's like place that he comes from is music. Like he comes straight from like, it's from music to his mouth. Like all his, his motivation comes from the, his love of music. Cause dude, I'm telling you, he goes deep, man. Oh, that's so Like amazing. he goes deep. He goes, he goes like, you know, like Paris, you know the Bob Welsh band Paris, like that's that's how deep. Nick why doesn't get. he? Why doesn't he like let those let that flag fly a little? Dude, bigger. I tell him we got get on him because I tell him all the time. I'm like, I'm like, why don't we write some songs that sound like UFO? And he's like, ah, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. I'm like, you're crazy. You're crazy, Nikki. I mean, I'm gonna post this. I'm keeping this part just for him to hear. There's a whole genre of music of bands who are trying to do all that stuff now. I know. And to get the guy from Motley Crue to outdo everybody and know more about it than... Exactly. That's a big middle finger to every fucking music so-called expert, you know, newbie fucking hipster. Fuck. Yeah, he's 100%, man. He's like, he knows it all. That's amazing. And it's... It it makes me feel good that I placed my chips on the right totally person right off the top. Totally. Hit it out of the park right on the first swing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. But getting back to Fireball Ministry, you guys are uh w- what is the state of it because we're playing a show together. Yeah, we you know like we 
Well, well, it's hard because everybody's, you know, you know how it goes. Like you get older, you have kids, you, you know, you want to be home. And then, you know, like these opportunities come up, like all this stuff I've been doing with Dave and, and, yeah. and John and, and, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of balance everything. And then last year I produced, like produced this record for this band called King and that took up a bunch of time. And now I'm going to, uh, do this record for this band called Huntress. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to produce that record this year. So it's like Fireball, I, I love I love doing it, but everybody's just kind of been so busy in their worlds that it's tough. But having said that, when Motorhead decides to put together a cruise ship <laughs> and they ask you to play on it <laughs> with... You know, you guys and Down and Megadeth and Anthrax and Testament, you're kind of, and I on Fire, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, well, yeah, we'll go do that. <laughs> so, yeah, hold on, let me clear the schedule a little bit. We'll, we'll come do that. So, yeah, well, I just, cool. I just feel lucky to have been asked to come, come and play it. So it's, it's kind of like this, you know, working vacation for us. I mean, it's going to be awesome. Now, if Fireball Ministry doesn't move forward fast enough, there's always Company Band. That's another band you're in. Yeah, that's that's a tough one too. It's again, it's like you know, we couldn't pick the the worst people to put something together with because of you know, especially Neil Fallon from Clutch's schedule. He's 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 real. Uh, you know, he's he's a very busy guy. I don't think anyone tours as much as as him. And now uh, Jess, the drummer's got this new project going with his brother. Fuckface. Um, Fuckface Unstoppable. Yeah, so they're real busy. So. Yeah, I'm, me and Jess are uh, Instagram buddies. Yeah, he's the best. That's the, one of the best people on earth. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's uh, he's a really really. A, I'll always, you know, in my life, I will always do something with Jess. He's he's a great great guy. He's. Uh, it was funny because we. Oh, we saw each, we found each other on Instagram. We started liking each other's pics. Mm-hmm. I was on tour. We were going to play a show in um, Norway. I'm at the airport. There he is. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I just liked your picture eight hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Probably like having a Bloody Mary at the bar. <laughs> the, the happiest, the, like the happiest guy on earth. Yeah, he's that. That right there is 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 to, is uh, the some of the greatest energy ever held up by two legs, man. He's a great guy. Yeah, he, um, we've played. We played with CKY a few years back at mm-hmm. a couple of festivals. That's where I met him. He yeah. was a really nice guy. And um, last time I saw him, I think was in the states when we were touring last year in the summer. Yeah, he's but, the best. Yeah, he's great. His Instagram posts are hilarious. <laughs> And this company band, so same situation then as Fireball. Everyone's super busy. Yeah, you know, you get to that point where it's just, it's hard. You got to like kind of pick and choose. And honestly, like the the whole like the 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 Zen for me was really doing that King record last year because it's right. like you know like a really you know uh, easy way to be in, in the creative process without having to like leave home and be gone so much and and you know miss out on on what's going on here so i really kind of want to get into doing you know more of that stuff and because i really i really really enjoy it and and that's you know that's what it's all about it's like 
you know, making people's passion happen, you know, when it comes to, to music, you know, it's like, I love, I love when coming to, you know, like being a part of that creative process and, and, and making, you know, like, you know, building something, you know, from the ground up. I mean, like making a record is, you know, one of the greatest gifts that I think that we're ever given, you know, it's like, you're able to see your dream, you know, like morph into this reality of, of something awesome. And that, that part never gets old, you know, like uh, that. Totally. That I, I agree a hundred percent, but you're doing like it from both streams, producing yeah. records and, uh, movies and, and TV shows now. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> you know, when you, when you say it out loud, it, it, it's very, it sounds very stressful. <laughs> Some people call themselves producers, but like you are the the ultimate you took the that word to the ultimate level yeah i just i've been very lucky like i've been very lucky to have you know to be you know friends with extremely creative and talented people who who you know want to work with me and i and i'm very appreciative of that fact you know constantly you know or every day i wake up every day and i and i know how lucky i am that like i get to you know i get to go on interviews where we you know, we get to talk to George Porter from the meters and, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and Rick Springfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's the craziest gamut going, you know, sitting down with Tom Petty for two hours, you know, and, and, and have, and getting to hear him talk about, you know, what, why he decided to do the same thing that we decided to do. You can't, that, that's a pretty good day at work. Um, now, I can't I can't bring up Sound City without asking you and this is knowing you are part you were part of that project kind of makes more sense to me now and I am so appreciative of it that Stephen Piercy and Warren Demartini were part of that Sound City kind of jam project. Yes. Yes. Was that you? Was that a lot of it was you? You know, honest to god Dave, Dave is like a, he's very laser guided. Like he, when he has a vision and he has a focus, he definitely, you know, he knows what he wants and he, he's like that. That's usually the, that's the course that we stay on. I will say he wanted to interview those guys as much as I did. Amazing. Which was awesome. That's amazing. And, and it was funny because you know, a lot of the stuff that they told us was like stuff that, <laughs> yeah, you can't really, <laughs> you know, like you can imagine. I yeah. mean, like that's the, that's the thing about that time in, in music. Like, yeah, you know, like they they hyped it up to some degree, but not that much. No, you know, like the stuff that went on at, at that period was definitely excess, and you know, let's just say we weren't making that kind of movie. So, well, that's but it was an- awesome. You know, after making the albums and writing the songs and playing shows, th- that's the part, that's why I continue to want to be in the music biz, is to hear those stories from those times. Totally. People don't realize that because now, like you said, it's, it's you know, things are safer now and mm-hmm. have been done to death. But th- those guys, what they were doing, that's the fucking shit, man. Yeah, and, and and I know, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, like, you know, I talk about it with Dave all the time and, 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 you know, like with, you know, John and Emily from our band, it's like, there, there will be, 
<clears throat> there will be something like something will surface, you know, like eventually everything will come together and, you know, it will come to critical mass. And right now out there in the, in this world, there are kids picking up instruments for the first time, you know, regardless of how many iPads and, you know, Xboxes are, are in the universe. Like there is a kid discovering, like if I plug this cord into here, and then into there, and I turn it up as loud as I can, I'm going to be heard, <laughs> you know? And, like, that's what it's all about is that, like, realization, like, I can't. Like, you know, what's funny is that we interviewed Lars Ulrich for the uh, Sound Sydney movie, and, you know, Lars gets a bum rap. Like, he, you know, constantly, the, I, I just, I feel like that band is in the crosshairs more than any band, you know? Like, it's just, it's crazy. But... Lars sat down and he said he said one of the coolest things he, he he said that when when Metallica first got into their rehearsal room and and the guys all sat down and they and they got Cliff in the band and they started to play he said instantly he knew that the power created in that room by those four guys could level the entire universe and like that's the moment. Like we've all, anyone who's ever in a band, and and ever ever like feels the thing. That's the thing that you feel. You just feel that minute, that moment when everybody's kind of eyes look at each other, and you're like, "Holy shit, what just happened?" Yeah. And that that you can't that that you're never gonna get that experience with anything else. You know what I mean? Like there won't like <clears throat> until you do that. Yeah. You, you know what I mean, and and when you do, then you're then you got the sickness. You're screwed forever. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, I I know the moment. Um, I, I I know that moment. Yeah. Like when you write, a, maybe you write a song in five minutes, and you look at each other, and you're just like, the moment people hear this, yeah, they're gonna shit their pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the best. That's yeah. the best. That's the best thing. Like yeah. that's. And, and and the best part of that is that anybody can do that. Like it's not, it's not like you're you're not special. You know, you're not born special. That yeah. oh no no no, I could never do it. Like the, the guitar center door is open to you too. Walk in there <laughs> and go to fucking town. Like get crazy. So that that at least that's how I feel about it. <laughs>